This episode of the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast is sponsored by Max. For your awards consideration, Max presents the HBO original Going to Mars, The Nikki Giovanni Project. This award-winning documentary travels through time and space to reveal the enduring influence of Nikki Giovanni, one of America's greatest living artists and social commentators. Going to Mars, The Nikki Giovanni Project reckons with the inevitable passing of time through a collision of memories, moments in American history, live readings, and visually innovative treatments of Giovanni's poetry. Don't miss what the New York Times is calling insightful and entertaining. Hi, y'all. Welcome to the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm a writer over at IndieWire, and I am so glad that we are kicking off a little mini-series on some of the best documentaries that we've seen this year with Orlando, My Political Biography by Paul B. Preciado. Paul is a first-time filmmaker, but certainly not a first-time artist, and so it was fantastic to talk to him about how he brought different artistic disciplines uh, together in order to make this movie and uh, about the pretty radical form of collaboration it took. Paul fostered this strange and, and, and very powerful alchemy in how he approached filmmaking, uh, which mirrors the subject he's exploring, which is, of course, Orlando by Virginia Woolf. I had an amazing time talking to Paul about fostering the Orlando gaze as opposed to any kind of binary cinematic gaze. And I think y'all will really enjoy it too. So without any other delay, here is this conversation with Paul B. Preciado. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And I, I was so struck and I'm so curious about your approach to bringing set and costume and, and sort of showing the artifice of cinema as part of the transformation that all of the Orlandos go through in the film. And so I'm curious about your thinking about the staging of the film and kind of how how you arrived at that and how it evolved. Yeah, well, I guess that uh, what I wanted was the, the audience to see the process of making the film, which is something that has been made tons of, uh, of times in cinema, is nothing new. But when we are speaking about gender, I think it's, uh, for me, it was almost a requirement in the sense that basically we, everyone, in a sense that has not been considered uh, abnormal or having a particular pathology that uh, thinks that anyone that thinks that he or she is like a kind of cis normal person, thinks that his or her gender is natural, right? But then what I wanted to show in the film was the the many different social and political processes that uh, make this looking natural of gender possible, right? So the, all these artificial social techniques that allow for gender to look natural, right? So at the same time that you're seeing the Orlandos of the film, the different like trans non-binary people of, of the film, sometimes transforming themselves through the, the process of making the film as well. Because some of them, when I started to work with them, were like uh, teenagers, like, were, uh, like in their early 12 or 13 years old, and then they grew up to become like like really 15-year-old people, something like that, right? Or some of the people also like uh, make decisions about like taking hormones or changing names or, you know. So it's not just that I was working with uh, 25 different Orlandos, but also that uh, these Orlandos already changed during the, the process of making the film. So I had the, the impression that we I was working with 100 Orlandos all the time. Like uh, we were all of us changing. It was like a, a pretty amazing. Actually. That's amazing. Can I ask about sort of the, what was the, the cast? process because I imagine that the film is collaborating working hand in hand with with the people who participated in it the idea for the film came from this intuition that I had that 
I I was an Orlando in a sense that I you know that the the character of Virginia Woolf, which is a, a fictional character, has come outside of the book, has like a you know got free from from that book and had inhabited reality and it was like alive and walking around in the streets today so i had this impression that it was me in a sense that i could be uh, orlando by virginia wolf but not only me that uh, many other orlandos were around and that we were living like a, an orlando revolution or an orlando time and but of course when i started to speak about that to my producers they would say like but you're totally crazy i mean like orlando by virginia wolf who is reading this book today this is not meaningful for you know like contemporary teenagers or people that are in their 20s or 30s and I said well let's see you know let's like call the casting and see what what is happening and then the casting was a very open call you know mm -hmm. I didn't want this to be like a, a kind of a an identity test or something like right. that it was really important for me to move away from these taxonomies that you know like medical and legal modernity has invented and in the sense of basically who is the the right trans person uh, who qualifies for this film as having like a enough like say gender dysphoria to be considered trans so uh, what are the hormones that you have to have to in order for you to be really like a trans a good trans person this was not exactly the way that I that I thought about this casting. On the contrary, uh, what I wanted to see were like m so many different ways, practices of uh, being at odds with the norm, criticizing the gender binary regime. So many different ways of being and becoming Orlando today. And so I did this casting just like saying like, uh, uh, Orlando, where are you? Uh, yeah, that's in, that's the beginning of the film. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So yes, you know, I I, I really like uh, uh, was like uh, working with a team of people, like uh, putting these posters all around in Paris, uh, looking for Orlandos. And of course, we did it as well digitally, you know, because most people today, you know, this was just in Paris and some other big cities. But for other people that are maybe living on the countryside or whatever, so and and then we had like 100 more than 100 people like answering to the to this casting and the call so and people would come and this was amazing people would come and, and they would say i am orlando <laughs> you know and someone else would come and would say that no 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 i am orlando and i want to tell you why right so that was amazing for me as well because kind of uh made me really think and believe that the film was possible because at the, i mean one thing is having an intuition and thinking that you 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 know this kind of crazy idea that i had at the beginning like to make a documentary adaptation of Orlando by Virginia Woolf. Because what is funny is that, okay, you can do an adaptation of that book, but what if Orlando is alive, right? Then you will have to actually like really get the real of Orlando to play his own or her own or their own role, right? Yeah. So that's the funny thing. And then as soon as I found like so many different Orlandos, I thought, okay, the, then the project is gonna be possible. And I started to work in the project in a very um, unconventional way, I realized, because my producers, they were always telling me, this is not the way we do things. The, we don't understand what you're doing. Because in a sense, I, I was working in a kind of a, you know, awesome, using methodologies that are coming from activism, that are coming sometimes even from philosophy, like basically like really working with the text mm -hmm. and, and seeing 
what is happening in this text that might speak to you and that you want to relate to with your own biography. So I was then like basically having these workshops with all the Orlandos. I, I selected like a, a, around at the beginning around 30 Orlandos. Okay. They were like, I mean, all of them were, were so amazing, you know, that I, I could have like, if I had like the time and the, the money, I would have like uh, invited all of them to participate. But I have to say also that not all of them were able to, um, in a sense, to to play in this very fluent way between the language of Virginia Woolf mm-hmm. and their own way of telling their own lives, which is, you know, that's the tricky thing that maybe if people didn't see the film yet, maybe they, they and even if they see the film, I don't know if at the beginning of the film you you realize that um, the Orlandos are speaking the language of Virginia Woolf and that those are like fragments that are coming directly from the book. Yeah. But they, you, you have the impression that they're, they're just like a, telling you their own lives or something like that but that was it was really like a really rehearsed and and work I work with them really long time with each of them uh, to be able for them to be able to you know just like say the text of Virginia Woolf as is their own lives or something like that yeah that's amazing um and that you sort of that's one of the great I think pleasures of the film is that sort of blending of Virginia Woolf's texts and their lived experience um and that the film moves so gracefully between the, the two to the point where it's just yeah they're Orlando I would love to hear a little bit more about sort of the rehearsal process and your approach to working with actors you know as as I said before since I'm not coming from film or from theater, basically. I mean, and people. I don't know if people know me, be what I did before, but I I've been writing all my life. So basically, you know, I, and writing is a very solitary thing. I mean, you, when you are surrounded by books, you're surrounded by. In reality, this is a collectivity around you, right? But a very silent one, and then a, a particularly, uh, let's say, solitary relationship to to a collective bunch of uh, historical people that's around you. But when you're working uh, for cinema. Everything becomes a collaboration. Of course, it was crucial to work with my cinematographer, who's an amazing photograph director, uh, Victor Sevo. And everyone, I, it was important for me that everyone would come from the queer, non-binary, trans community. So I wouldn't have to explain, like, basically how I wanted the camera to look at people. I, it was really important for me, for instance, not to not to reproduce the binary gaze. Because we always speak about like the, the female gaze that has been discussed for now forever in like a film criticism. Shakes fist at Laura Mulvey. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, there is also like a binary gaze that basically is there every time that you're filming. For instance, at the beginning when I started working, before I had the cinematographer that I actually finally work with me for the film. The previous previous one would ask me all the time, but is this a woman or a man all the time? You know what I mean? It's, I, it was like, yeah, yeah you know, but that's like, it's so, it's, it's such an, an obvious question for everyone that it's like, everyone is like, they want to know if this is a man or a woman, even before approaching them or filming them. And I was, well, this is exactly the object of this film. This is exactly what I'm making this film. For you to forget at a certain moment the question, this insidious, violent question, are you a man or a woman, right? And that at a certain moment you're like getting into this Orlando mood that hopefully will affect yourself as well. Yeah. But basically by the end of the film, maybe you're able to look at yourself thinking, okay, maybe I am myself as well, a little bit of an Orlando, you know, and then I make different choices every day. And this is like a kind of a unconditional 
right and freedom that we should not take from anyone you know like this this the freedom of of uh, of deciding your own gender who you want to be so yeah that that collaboration with with them it was I, as I said, you know, like working with this activist methodology, it was not just one-to-one work with them as we usually do in films. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that basically you train the actor to become the character or something like that. It was n- not at all this way because for me, the character was the living Orlando, right? So for me, the closest I could be to their their own lives, the best in a sense, yeah. right? But what, what was interesting was also like uh, the relationship that uh, we created collectively. Like, for instance, seeing someone like Jenny Belair that maybe for the the U.S. audience this will not say anything, but it's a trans woman in her 70s that was like fundamental to the history of trans, uh, the trans community in France. So seeing Jenny Belair, for instance, with the kids that are now like from four to seven and with the families of the kids, with the the, uh, non-binary teenagers, all of them discussing the Orlando, this was... I don't know. It was for me. It was a utopia at a certain point, and I think that that sense of uh, enacted utopia. This is exactly what I wanted to catch within the film. Those moments, some of the scenes of the film, are being thought uh, as rituals, like almost political rituals of um, healing, of uh, honoring our own history, of changing the position that we have been given traditionally within society. Like for instance, the the waiting room for the going to see the, yeah, the, the uh, physician, yes, the, exactly. the psychologist or whatever, right? So that waiting room, for instance, becomes at the end like a, a party scene where people are really sharing knowledge and sharing hormones and techniques of uh, gender technologies, let's say. And so that is like fully like changing the, the position of a, who you are historically, that you've been like as a trans person, a non-binary person, the object of a psychiatric discourse. And by the end of the scene, you have become the subject of your own of your own life and your own gender uh, process of transitioning, right? And your own music video too, which is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that that was that is really great because I mean that I think that that's one of the the great things about cinema is that you you almost have everything inside. Like basically of course writing is was super important and I guess that without being a writer maybe it would have been much more difficult for me to make the film. But then, you know, it's like acting or just like the performance side, but also making the co- costumes with them. It was like also like this with them because for instance at the beginning I had this idea okay since I have no no budget no money maybe just the Orlando we will construct the character just with these the color you know the the Renaissance color and then my producers were like well but this is gonna be like so ridiculous and you know like how how are you gonna wear these things without looking like completely stupid or whatever right and then the teenagers would come and they would wear the the color and they would be like amazingly like beautiful saying like I am Orlando I mean for me it's been wonderful as well to to discover the amount of uh, uh, courage generosity, beauty of the people that I was filming. At, at a certain point, I mean, I not only like felt in love with Virginia Woolf, that by the way, we are in front of the National Library here, the Public uh, Library of New York. And I have to say, I want to say just for people that are listening to us, that the 
part of the archive of Virginia Woolf is in this building, and maybe New Yorkers don't know. And if you want to come and see it, I think it, it really deserves uh, to be seen. And it's, it's, it's such a beautiful collection. You know, not that I not only felt in love with with uh, Virginia Woolf, but also with each of the characters of the you know the actors and actresses and non-actors and non-actresses that participated in the project. And so the the sometimes people tell me like oh the, the film is so beautiful but I'm I'm like well you know there was not much to do I mean it's like the people that are participating in the film are amazing yeah. so it was just like uh, having the camera like in a kind of very respectful way uh, in front of them and letting them embody uh, Orlando the way they wanted. I would love to ask you a little bit uh, about the ending of the film, because that does feel like everything you've been talking about, this sort of moment of collective utopic joy that takes back things. And I'm curious how you got there, sort of at what point in the process you were like, yes, this is the ending of the film. Um, and also just to, to, to hear how it was, it seems like y'all had so much fun. <laughs> Honestly, I, I didn't know that this would be the ending of the film. I had not thought, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a spoiler for people that haven't seen the film, but it has to do with, uh, you know, giving documents, giving administrative documents to to trans and non-binary people that do not have them sometimes. So at the beginning, for me, this legal issue was not at the center of the film. Mm -hmm. I didn't think this is going to be the conclusion of this film at all, even though the question of like not having papers and having lost access to property, for instance, is a key question in the book by Virginia Woolf, right? So that was that was there when I when I wrote the script, but for me it wouldn't be the end of the film. Nevertheless, the more I was working with the Orlandos of the film, with the trans and non-binary people that participated, I realized that many of them I'm not going to say all of them. I do have papers, for instance, but things got that's a, the reason why I'm here in New York and I could come and cross the border and whatever. But then I realized that many of them didn't have documents. And therefore, many of them, for instance, they don't go to school. They don't have access to housing. They, uh, they have a very poor and difficult access to public health. They cannot cross borders. In a nutshell, they are not... You know, they are not political subjects of a territory anymore. They are almost like a patriot at this point, right? So, and this became like so much the center of many of the conversations that we were having. And also it, it became, it was quite interesting because one day we were working with the book and we all had like the Orlando book all the time in our, you know, hands, pockets and whatever. And of course, one day I, I had made these fake passports because I, I was thinking about this scene of really like delivering like fake passports like you know like non-binary uh, let's say even like post na nation yeah, state global passport global universal passports for, for everyone so I had made one of them to try and see if they like it and whatever and and then I realized that in a sense they, they are books that a passport is like a, a tiny little book right so it's a piece of poetry that you have in your in your pocket but it's a very particular poetry book. It's a conceptual political one that has been made um, legitimate by a certain authority, a certain government, certain institution. And it has a set format the way it's on it does. I've, that's 
It is is amazing, right? That is like this little booklet and that has these pages. And it's the same, for instance, I mean, when working with with the Orlando, because that's something that Virginia Woolf is like really writing about in the book, is like this this birth certificate of Orlando, right? It's the same. This birth certificate is, is, is a tiny little book that you carry with yourself, right? So all these pieces of uh, administrative, legal documents and papers, in reality, they we should think about them as conceptual, social, negotiated poetry, in a sense, right? That are very ridiculous. If you look at them, they say there is a name there. There is like a, the, the name of your father and your mother. It doesn't matter, if, for instance, if they are known, they're still there. It might be an ex. Uh, then, then there is like this issue that is major of gender. It's like suddenly, you know, you are male or female. There was a time in which basically in passports you have to have your um, religion. So that was the case in Spain or is it still the case in places like uh, I'm not even thinking about Iran but I am also thinking about like Greece where you say like orthodox uh, religion or something like that. So I mean all, all these words uh, in a sense they, they define your ability and your capacity to become a citizen of a certain territory to have rights to be recognized as a political subject, right? The m- more and more working with them through the process of uh, making the film I realized that um, these fiction, this piece of political fiction was super important, right? And that since everything be- starts from the beginning, from this fiction and the, the, the way in which this character of Orlando step outside of fi- fiction, it seemed to me that like pointing out like the dimension, the fictional dimension of our documents was super important. And then it became like a, you know, as I said before, it became this kind of political ritual of a, of healing uh, and and almost like a repairing collectively something that has been broken and damaged for all of us, right? So basically, it was quite difficult to have that tri- tribunal, by the way. It was very difficult because no one, when I said this is like a, an adaptation of Orlando, going to have like a bunch of uh, bi- non-binary trans people, people were saying, we don't want like this to happen in our tribunal, right? But at the end, um, it was one of these... Um, you know, like city halls in which the the mayor is gay, and then the mayor was okay. I I come and do it, you know. <laughs> and then this became such an amazing moment for all of us. That, for instance, when I was making the film, at some points I didn't know if I would I would what I was filming would be interesting or non interesting, you know, because I was like so it was like for the first time that I was doing that. So I was like, am I am I really filming something that I would be able to edit at the end? But then at a certain point, I understood that. If something was happening on the set, you know, like some some kind of crucial transformation was happening on the set, then I got it right. And and for me, there, there is a lesson that I I learned from from my years of feminism because of course, like I'm I'm Orlando, I'm Orlando myself, so I I had had many incarnations. Some of them, like you know, I, I was a feminist, I was like a lesbian, a radical lesbian. Now I'm trans, and you know, like non-binary, whatever. You know, all those things are like just like a different ways of uh, trying to to struggle in a, in a regime like like this one, right? When you st- start making a film at the beginning, it's it's quite difficult to understand if what you're making. I mean, at least it was difficult for me, and I think it's it's interesting to share that with other people because most people think that you need to know in order for you to be able to do something you know and in my case I started the film by 
surrender. You know, I, I was like, basically, I was like, I do not know how to make a film. And this non-knowing might become an, an interesting position for me to learn something and to almost like to approach the, the film as a philosophy project or something like that, asking yourself questions all the time, right? So I was filming and editing. I would film like for three days and then I would go into the editing room and I would say like, okay, this is working or not working and coming back into into shooting again. And I did the film with a really like low budget. So that's also like something that I really wanted to share with, with the audience as well. Like, you know, it is possible to film, to make a film with a very low budget, but you have to be very stubborn because everyone for instance since I had a little budget people would say like oh you can film with an iPhone or whatever you know you can film with your phone and I was like no I don't want to film with my phone I want to film with a, a real cinema camera right and then you have to struggle and fight to have the to get that camera right and that's important so you have to almost like resist at every single moment that you're making the film for the film to be exactly what you want right and and also because I I was like I, my fear was making again a, a really like a binary film and being like in a sense you know like cinemize this hegemonic industry right so basically when you're making a film there's almost a machine that is like a you know in motion and so you have to stop the machine and say like okay uh, let me do things the, the way I understand it and I, I, I won't, right? And now I remember what I wanted to tell you before and maybe you can edit it or maybe you don't find a way of edited, editing because I was telling you that I I had had many incarnations in my life, right? And I had had like, I've gone through being, you know, being assigned a woman, being a fem feminist, radical feminist, lesbian, radical lesbian, trans, non-binary, everything, right? But one of the things that I learned from my feminist background is that, and this is, comes from feminist filmmakers, uh, like for instance, Barbara Hammer, that I knew when I was a student here in New York. It's completely different to film the process of oppression and to film the process of emancipation. That is completely different. And I realized that most films about trans people or non-binary people, non-binary there are not so many films, but about, about trans people, let's say, they always, they have an already made and given narrative, which is really the medical legal one, right? The very normative one. And they portrayed the process of oppression. They portrayed the trans person as being like the victim of this system, is struggling with it, and da da da. And in my case, what I wanted to film was the process of uh, each and every one of the Orlandos participating in the film becoming a political subject, emancipating themselves, liberating themselves from a particular regime, and that changes everything, right? I love that sort of almost like scene by scene approach to it because you're constantly listening to the project. Um, and figuring out kind of where where it needs to go next, which is a, a really rad way of um, approaching it, as opposed to like, ah, here is the whole like we need to shoot this and this and this and then go here. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah I needed I needed to work that way also because it was a, such a collective project, you know, yeah. that I had to I had to to pay attention to what was happening with the people while while they were participating in the in the project. Many of them they were changing so much. Sometimes they would come one day and they they would tell me one name, and next day would be like, no, I changed my mind. I'm changing my name. I would be like, okay, you have like two days to think about it because we're shooting, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> 
<laughs> it's at least going to be this for this. Exactly. Oh, man, that's, that's so cool. I would also love to ask you a little bit kind of about working in this way, having sort of a, a very collaborative but kind of pared down cast and crew. I'm curious, like, are there, there are things that you learned about cinema that you would be excited to bring to other projects or your other work? Yes, absolutely. I guess that one of the things that became super interesting to me when making the film is what does it mean to have a camera with you? Because the camera is, a, of course, a technology, and therefore it's a kind of an impersonal eye that you have there. It becomes like a, like a witness, an strange witness of things that are happening. And sometimes when we were like shooting and constructing these political rituals, right in that moment, exactly in front of the camera, something was happening, right? So there is at the same time, of course, you have always the, this possibility of editing things, which is also, I mean, I guess that this is something that I have already done in my books. You know, when you're a writer, you never, you never write from the beginning to the end. You, you're constantly editing. But what is interesting when you're filming, and especially collectively, is that there, is, there are these moments of high intensity that the, the presence of the, of the camera is almost like... Uh, underlying. It's been like s super interesting as well to share the film with the Orlandos at the end because of course you know I, I was filming with them but then they were not in the editing room with me. They're like 26 people so you know editing is a very detailed project and if you if you bring like 26 people it's a cacophony right so but then at certain moments I would actually call them and tell them like this is the scene where you are like have a look at it with me you know and they were like is this me, you know, and it's like, yes, this is you, you know. So basically, like, also, like, and it's using film and the camera and almost like a healing tool for them, you know. Sometimes they've been, like, so, um, and weeping, all of us, like, so, so um, blessed, like, uh, you know, beaten, almost beaten by institutional, the institutional gaze, the normative gaze, then suddenly when you're being looked at, differently you know there's, there's such a such a um, kind of beauty and restoration that is happening there so they would come and they would say like oh my god am I this way and I'm like yes you are this way it's like you're you're an amazing person you're really beautiful you know and that was like it was amazing to share that with them and and now I have to say that I'm after like making the film I'm like I really like because when you you write you're alone with yourself and I'm like oh you know I'm I'm so bored about my own mind you know I mean like it's like I it's so great to be able to work with other people and also for instance I'm always I have like a, because of my brain the way it is and the way you know I've had also like a, you know develop it during my life through philosophy and theory and so on I'm sometimes like so tediously you know like a, I want to be so precise with so many things and whatever right and then like seeing how other people work and think and so I've been learning so much from them as well, you know, like almost like to, to just let go sometimes, you know. And this is something that uh, has been crucial for the film, because at some point I thought the film, before starting to work with them, I had a, you know, I had almost like an agenda. I wanted the film to, to be like very precise in, term, in terms of defining certain issues that had to do with gender or political theory or whatever. But then when I started to work with them, I thought like, you know, 
I'm going to throw all these things away, and I don't care because what is crucial here is like using the poetic language of Virginia Woolf and, and capturing the beauty of the Orlandos becoming who they are, and that's it, you know? I think about that scene uh, where you have the two Orlandos dramatizing the meeting in the snow. Yes. And they're young, and you can sort of see them settling into the role that they're playing in the film and then settling into themselves. And yes. it's it's so cool that that's happening while you're, you know, aware of the scrim and the fake snow and the pool that they're yes. standing in and all of that. Um, I'm curious how that was to, to bring together in the edit, because it's important, the order in which we get all of this information. I imagine yeah. that was tricky to work out. Well, that that scene, I have to say, is one one of the scenes that I I almost wrote it that way from the beginning oh, to dope. the end. Totally. I mean, I, I, I kind of saw it in my mind. I Even the, the snow, for instance, I wanted the snow to be fake. I wanted people to, to see it, like, you know, to see the device of making the snow in a film. But I also wanted them to realize that no matter how artificial it is, the moment it falls down on people, you will have this emotion, right? And because this is exactly how gender is constructed. No matter how fake it is, once you are in the role of gender, that is, you have like this, this feeling of a naturalness and emotion and whatever, right? So I really wanted to, to, and then the difficulty for the scene, both of them are pretty young, especially Ruben. Um, and Ruben had never like kissed anyone in public, right? Like, you know, in front of other people. It's like, it's a 15 year old. And when we started working, it was like 12 year old. And then we started like rehearsing the scene and everything. And, and at a certain point, he comes to me and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm I'm unable to to keep to to kiss someone if someone else is is looking, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that's why this scene also is like so. Um, and it's really like a, you don't have any kind of a, you know explicit sexuality or anything. It's maybe some some people has have asked me about that as well. Like you know, like knowing my work, I've worked a lot on sexuality as well, and why there is no sexuality in this film. But it's also that working with the Orlandos. I mean, it's also Virginia Woolf was not particularly yeah. keen. I mean, the Orlando is not not such a sexual book as such, right? But apart from that, because I could have uh, since I have twisted many of the scenes of Orlando, I could have done that as well. But then working with them, I realized that also I'm being like trans and non-binary people, that it was super important for them to not to be looked at as as basically like someone that is transforming their, their sexuality into an object. Right. Or, you know, or, or, or with this kind of a almost like medical case that is trying to see the truth of the anatomy you know so basically like after discussing all of us and we i asked them you know do you how are we going to deal with the issue of sexuality and most of them sort of like said i i don't mind to be you know sometimes a little bit naked or whatever but i don't want this to be like the the object of my sin and then this was like crucial for me as well. I said, okay, this is it's going to be respected the way you want it, right? So that scene is like the the snow scene, for instance. It was quite difficult to to basically manage them to say the text of Virginia Woolf, be in front of each other, uh, look at themselves as they are, is if they are like in love, right, and not be like completely scared of the camera being there. So it took a while, actually, it took a while, but it was a, a really beautiful moment. And also, I mean, they're like, there is also kind of a sometimes magic and almost accidental miracles that happen. Like, for instance, Ruben, when he was telling me the story of his uh, first love, 
in in his life it happened to be someone that is named Sasha like exactly yeah. like in the in the story of, of Virginia Woolf and then I was like okay well you know it's it's meant to be you yeah know? no so, so those are like moments little miracles of of the film or the moment for instance that we're filming with with uh, Jenny Belaire and this is a, the exact day that Godard died right and and then my photography director got a, an, a message in the phone saying Godard just died. And then we were all shocked because, you know, Godard is also very influential, even though, you know, I, I also think he's very patriarchal. He has like this like hyper-masculinist way of looking at the history of cinema. But his way of, um, you know, many of the answers he has given to some of the questions that I have asked myself also in the film are crucial, right? F even for the film. So basically, in that in that very moment we were shooting, and suddenly, like Jenny Valera is saying, like, uh, "Oh my God!" Like uh, Godard just died, and I'm like so sad, you know. And I, and they were, we were like shooting, and that is like now part of the film, right? That's incredible. I love it, and that's that's I think part of working collectively is that just tiny miracles do happen? Perhaps a silly question. How long did this film take to make? Well, it's an important question. It took more than three years to make because uh, first not having the budget at all, not knowing exactly what I was doing, making this casting. Then when I, I decided to work with 25 Orlandos, my producers were like, you're completely crazy because basically it means that every time I was shooting, I had to rehearse fully with a completely different person, right? And teach this person to speak the language of Virginia Woolf and everything. So it took a really long time. But I, I think it was also the time that all of us, including me and especially me, needed to make the film. Uh, I couldn't have made this film like quickly as as they wanted at the beginning. Arte, like the the company that I kind of uh, ordered the film from the beginning, they they really like in a, a month after they were like, okay, I mean, you know, when are you shooting? What are you doing? And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm discussing with 25 people that all of them are coming from many different, completely different backgrounds. Many of them are in pretty difficult situations in their lives and I need to work with them to be able to make the film because you know sometimes they would come from f from situations of like just like being like uh, you know losing the apartment the day they have to make the shooting so how are we going to do that it's impossible we need to work first with them and then like you know make a pause and may maybe next day we are able to shoot right so I mean all these things and so that was crucial for me as well like by, to have this time to be able to work collectively construct this community of Orlando's and also having the time to think which is like I mean honestly like coming from philosophy I think that that's that's a privilege that cinema doesn't give to itself you know it's like things have to happen immediately you have to have like the the script should be done for tomorrow and then you have to be shooting next week okay we need time to think about right especially when you want to do things differently because otherwise the machine of a of cinema you know it's like it's working and the film is done and you didn't realize what happened right film schedules always blow my mind tv schedules are even worse, even worse uh, absolutely. and you know, when 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 you do have time to sit with something and breathe for just a moment, <laughs> absolutely, it's it's wild how things come to you. I'm curious, sort of, and if if the answer is it was everything or or nothing or I don't remember, that's totally fine. But I'm curious, kind of, what was sort of the the most surprising thing that came out of that gestation? Was there sort of like a 
a scene that, that that developed or that announced itself to you or went in a different direction? Honestly, there were many little miracles all along the process of making the film. Many times while I was making the film, I thought I won't be able to finish, you know, because basically I didn't have the money or because my producers would say, like, Paul, we didn't know anymore what you're doing. This looks crazy to us, and, and we don't understand anything of what is happening here, right? So basically, almost every day, I, I would have, like, this moment of miracle in which basically I would say, oh, my God, the film, it might be possible, right? Like, so a new opening was, was happening, and something would be possible. Like, for instance, the I was looking for a long time for a place to to shoot, like, the the palace yeah. of, uh, of Orlando, in Constantinople, right? And I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it in a kind of exoticizing way, kind of with like reproducing the colonial gaze. I didn't, but also I didn't have, for instance, didn't have the money to go to the desert, or I didn't have the right. money to, you know, to rent a, a kind of a Turkish palace or something like that. It was impossible. So, and, but then one day, Pierre et Gilles, the photographers, the gay kind of a, you know almost like uh, iconic historical photographers who are now in their late 60s, early 70s in France. They called me, they wanted to do a picture with me, whatever, and so I, I came for coffee to their home and I enter into their apartment and I'm like, okay, you know, Pierre Gilles, I mean, this is the, the <laughs> palace of Orlando, you know? They're like, what are you talking about? You know? And so I, I asked them, I said like, you know, I. Would it be possible for for you if I would film here, you know? So they were thinking, well, no one has filmed this house. The house is almost like a piece of art, which is true. You know, it's an amazing house that they have built themselves with their hands. Every little thing has been thought. And it's such a queer space as well, right? So I thought it would be perfect for the, for the scenes of Constantinople. And then at the end, they decided that they wanted to do it, that they, I, I could film in the house. And then I said, well, I have a, another request. Would you be able to be the, the physicians of Orlando? <laughs> and then they were like, okay. You know, and that was like so funny to actually make the scenes and having both of them dressing up like uh, physicians for, from the 18th century. So yeah, that was like a, a miracle by itself. And the house is in Paris, you know? And so I didn't have to go anywhere where else and that made possible like that part of the film to be made so I also wanted to say thank you to them and to the many to many different people that have participated in the film also Virginie Despont who's playing the the judge at the end of the film and I, this was like such a beautiful uh, thing to do with her I wanted to have also like a you know like not only the trans and, and non-binary people but also like a kind of extensive community the extensive queer um, you know, non-normative community with us, basically. So, you know, like Virginie Dupont within the lesbian community, the gay community, the the drag queens that appear in the film. Yeah, it, all that is also part of the of uh, becoming Orlando and being able to be Orlando today. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, is there anything that? I haven't asked you about that you're particularly proud of in, in the making of the film or, or would like to speak about? No, you asked me almost everything that I can say. Okay. I, I really like, no, I really like your questions. You have good questions because it shows that you're coming from cinema, that you know, because some people don't know what cinema is. Like they don't understand what it is. They think, they think that cinema is the screen and cinema is, is everything but the screen, the screen. The screen is just like one layer, but it's just like such a, it's a universe that is behind it that you don't see, right? Yes, a thousand yeah. different 
choices in exactly. every moment. Exactly. Um, which is why. Yeah. I like it. Awesome. Then and I think that, that does it for me. Paul, thank, thank you. you so much for talking to me. I really yeah, appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And I hope people can, can come and see the film and show the film and share it with uh, trans non-binary and other fellows that, that might join the Orlando community of the world. <laughs>